Hey, nice to see you all this morning. Beautiful day. Nice to see some new faces as well. That's fantastic. Can you hear me all right on this? Can you hear me okay? Okay, cool. So, on the last few weeks, we've been looking at a series. We've been going over a series called On the Will of God. And um, last week, we, we, we looked at um, some passages from the book of Jeremiah. And um, I don't know if you know the book of Jeremiah, but Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 is a very famous scripture. It's a well-known one. And for very good reason, it's, 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 it's just a fantastic promise from God. And, and in Jeremiah 29, 11, um, God says, speaking to the, to the children of Israel, he says that, I know the, the thoughts and the plans that I have towards you, the thoughts that I think towards you, and the plans that I have for you, and they're plans of good, they're thoughts of good, they're thoughts of peace, to give you a future and a hope. And you know, the Bible says that um, all, the, all the Scripture is given by God for our instruction, that, that we can learn from it, that, that, that we can grow by it. And so we, you can take God's Word personally for yourself. Now, the Bible isn't a, a seven steps, a quick seven quick steps, how to overcome and laugh, right? There's no such thing. It isn't just uh, like an easy formula there that we can just take and apply to our lives either. But, but God gives us His principles, and He reveals His heart to us in, in the, through the lives of others as well when it's recorded in the Bible. When God says, I've got plans towards for your life that are, that are good, good plans to give you hope in the future, you can take it for yourself. It's written there so that you and I might know the plans and the thoughts and the ways of God for ourselves. You know, like he said in, in Isaiah, was it, that my ways are higher than your ways and my, and my, my thoughts than your thoughts? What he's saying is that my ways are just so much better than yours. It's not that you can't ever do them, you can't ever accomplish that. He's saying, no, they're just so much better but you can learn them. I've revealed them to you. I've revealed my ways. I've revealed my thoughts to you through my word, through the Bible. And that is why we at Family Church hold great esteem for the Bible. We hold it in great reverence because it's our foundation for life. Without that, I have nothing. I don't have a, a, a yardstick to measure God's plans and purposes or God's leading in my life. I need this as the foundation. And then I can judge my experiences in life based on the revealed will of God. And so, so we, we hold the, the word of God in great esteem. And so we've been looking at this fact that, that God has good plans for your life, for your life. Wherever you come from, whatever your background, whatever your story, and you know what? Everybody's got a story, hey? Everybody's got a story. We've all come through stuff. We, we had a meeting uh, just a couple of weeks back, a midweek meeting. And honestly, as I looked around the room at the people gathered there, because I'm the pastor and I know background of each of, each of the people here, and I looked around that room and I just saw the scars that each one carried. I tell you what, everybody has been through stuff. Everybody carries scars. Everybody has got a story. But the good news is that God has a plan for your life from where you are now. That plan doesn't start tomorrow. The plan starts where you are today. He knows where you are today. He knows your name. He knows your postcode. 
He says he knows every hair on your head, Andrew. Even he can count them. So can I, but, but he knows every hair on your head, brother. He's with you. And so he wants, us to, he wants us to live in this good plan and purpose that he has for our life. But obviously, that, that, that means change is going to have to come. There's going to be change. We don't know what this afternoon brings, never mind the future, right? But so God's desire is that we should, we should live with him, we should embrace the life that we've got right now. But don't, I'm not saying become confined with it, don't be, don't, be, be content, but don't be complacent, is what I'm saying. We're not complacent about our lives, but we can be content. We, we don't have to be confined by the smallness of lockdown and COVID and the restrictions that is placed on us, and it mustn't, we don't allow it to make our lives small and confined. We still think big, but we can live in the moment, live in today, live in that three-foot world. You know, if you're facing a problem in your life today, Embrace the life and live through it. Work the problem. Work it. Be, be present where you are. Allow God to lead you and direct you through the problem. Don't run from it. Hebrews, uh, Romans 5 says that in the, in the Amplified Version, it says that we exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance, and endurance or fortitude develops maturity of character, which is approved faith, approved faith and tried integrity. Do you know what? You don't have to run from the situation you find yourself in life right now. You just need to commit your way to God and walk with Him and be present where you are. Live today well. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned in all things to be content, whether I'm abounding and I have got more than I need for myself, or whether I'm in a time of, 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 of lack. When, you know, somebody once said, we've often come close to the bone, but praise God, we've never had to eat it. And so whether you're in a time of lack or a time of, of plenty, we can learn to be content, learn, learn to live well in the situation we're in. Sowing good seed for the future. We don't control what's going to happen this afternoon any more than tomorrow or the future, but we can sow good seeds. Just like if you want to do something in life, you would study for it. Whatever you want for the future, you sow good seed into your future, ensuring that your future will be good by living in God's ways, living by God's principles today. Like I said, there is no formula. We don't just take a, a general formula and apply it to our lives, but we take the principles of God and, and with Him, with His help, we, we learn how to apply those to our lives and walk through life today, almost like getting the, the ingredients to the recipe. We get the ingredients, the principles are the ingredients, and we learn the recipe with God as we walk with God. So, God has a, a good plan for your future well-being, but it will bring change. It will bring change. Now, in Hebrews chapter 4, we won't go there because we would have to read the whole, the whole chapter in order to, to get at what I want to say to you. So I'm just going to uh, go briefly over it. But Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that God, God's desire for us is that we should enter into the rest, the rest of faith. 
the rest of faith it talks about. Now, he's not talking about the rest, that, we, that kind of rest where you're on a, on a hammock between two palm trees on the beach in Hawaii, right? No, he's talking about a rest, an end, an end to striving, and an end to seeking and striving, a rest of faith. You know, the, the end for us has come when, when we get to that place where, where we are satisfied in our own mind and heart and soul that God's Word is true and that we can rely on it, that we don't have to strive, we don't have to try and make it happen ourselves, that we can rest in the promises of God, that, is, that, that, that His Word is a, is a sound foundation for our life. When we get to that place, we can enter into the rest of God, the rest of faith, and end to that striving. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I leave with you. His desire for your life is that you live at rest, that you live in peace, at rest from striving, living in peace, still growing, still growing, still changing, still embracing the life that he, he's given you to live now, but at rest, not striving, at peace, trusting his word. And so when my soul is satisfied that I believe God's promises are true, then an end can come to my striving and to my seeking. You know, no, you wouldn't know actually, but I'll tell you anyway. There's a guy at my work that I, that I work for, and he's a great guy, but he's of another religion, another faith altogether. And so he knows that, that I'm a Christian, that I'm the pastor of this church. And um, any time that we start talking about anything of like a, a moral, moral, uh, moral thing or a religious thing, he'll always bring up his religion. And he'll always say to me, hey, Chris, have you checked out our website yet? He's always he's, he's emailing me his website for their, for their religion and their church. And he wants me to have a look at it. And he says, and did you know that such and such about his religion and, and what have you? And so I'm always as polite as I can be, right? But the answer is always no. Uh, I'll have a look some other time. You know, I'll, I'm busy. But the truth is, I really don't care. I mean, with all, with all respect, I don't care. I'm not seeking. I've got to a place where I, I'm no longer seeking. I have found the answer, you know. I, I don't know everything. Now, some people say you need to study all religions, and so then you can make your decision. I, I don't. I'm sorry. Or, or I don't know them all. all. All I do know is that on the 16th of September, 1992, somebody had been witnessing to me at work for weeks and weeks, and suddenly, boom, I just, I just thought... I believe Jesus is alive. I don't even know what the thought was, that, uh, but something just popped up inside of me. I just believed that Jesus was alive, that that tomb was empty. I believed it. And that night I went home, and uh, I went, sat at my dining room table. I wrote down a list of pros and cons. I kid you not. If I gave my life to Jesus, and if I didn't, what would I get at? What did I want from life? And I screwed up the piece of paper, threw it away, and said, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you be my Lord and Savior? And that night, he changed me. That's all I know. I don't know other religions. But one thing I do know is that nobody else paid the price for my son. That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You see, Christianity is extremely exclusive. It's very exclusive. And people say, Oh, you see, you're a little bless me club. No, no, we are exclusive. But the idea is that it's inclusive to everybody. See, it's exclusive that the only way is through Jesus, but everybody's included in that. 
It's fully inclusive for whosoever will come to him because only Jesus is the perfect substitute. Only Jesus died for my sin. We sang it earlier. Only Jesus went to the cross for my sin. No other religion can offer me a savior that paid the price for my sin. They all say to me, Chris, you've got to do this and do this and do this. And when you've done all that, then maybe, just maybe, God will accept you. Maybe you, what you've done will be good enough and he'll forgive you. I, you know what? When I first gave my life to the Lord, I actually did that. I was trying so hard to please him. <laughs> I, honestly, I did not believe that a true Christian could be happy. Really, I was so intense, so intense on trying to please God, so intense on trying to earn His favor and acceptance that I was just doing and doing and doing until I came to a place of just realizing I was just failing and failing and failing. Because you see, Christianity and salvation is not a matter of what we can do for God, but what He's already done for us, isn't it? Jesus went to the cross and died for us. That's what makes Him our perfect substitute. Only He paid the price for us. So He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And when I come to this place, when, when, when I'm in that place, then there's, there's an end to seeking. I'm not seeking any further. I'm not seeking another religion. I have been saved. I have been saved. And I can say that with all confidence because it's not based on what I did. It's got nothing to do. It's in spite of me, not because of me. And so because of that, I can say, I am saved. I can stand before God without any guilt or condemnation because it's not based on me. Jesus paid the price. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that fantastic? You stand before God today, accepted and loved, holy in His sight. Oh, read Ephesians 1. He loves you. He accepts you. You are holy and beloved before Him in love. <laughs> you are made right. There is nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. He is for you. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about that. Um, how are we doing for time? Hebrews 4 talks about entering into that rest. And actually, if you, read, if you, went, if you went and had a look, you'd see in Hebrews 3, the previous chapter, it's, it's, it, it comes out of us talking about the children of Israel how when God delivered them from, from, from bondage of slavery in Egypt, um, and he took them through the, he was taking them through the promised land. Um, and it says that, but because of their hard hearts and their unbelief, they couldn't enter into the promises of God because they were full of unbelief. So I just want to take a step back and just read to you from, from the book of Numbers, chapter 13. So I'll just pull out a few scriptures from Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. And I just want to show you two different types of people from that, 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 were, that, that, that made up that, that, that tribe of Israel, that, those, those first ones that came out of Egypt. And in Numbers 13, 32, uh, sorry, what had happened was uh, Moses had sent um, uh, spies to go and spy out the, the, the promised land where, where God was taking them in. He took a leader from each of the tribes, and he said they all went over. They crossed over into the promised land. They went and spied out the land, and they came back and gave their report back, right? And, and this is what the majority, 10 out of the 12, said. They gave the children of Israel, in Numbers 13, 32, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we, whom we saw in it are men of great stature. 
There we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. In Numbers 14, 6, we see two other men step forward, just a few verses later, and they give their account. And their names were Joshua and Caleb. And it says that Joshua and Caleb were among those who had spied out the land, and they tore their clothes. Uh, they tore their clothes. And it, it was an Old Testament thing. It was like a grief. It was like, no, stop what you're doing. It was, and, and they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, and they said, listen, the land we passed through is, is a good land. And, 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 and in verse 9, they said, now listen, do not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The comparison we have here is this. The, you, you've got these guys in there in the, with this, like, it's just like, an, just like this angst of unbelief. They're like, no, we can't go in there. We, we, uh, this is a land that devours its inhabitants. We, they're giants, and we are like grasshoppers in our sight, and we, and we grasshoppers in their sight too. You know, that wasn't even true. It was true. These people were obviously very big, you know. Um, but, but, but actually, if you read a few books later, if you read the book of Joshua, Look at the book of Joshua, and you will see when, when um, after Moses has died, Joshua sends a couple of spies in, and they go into Jericho. They cross over, and they go into Jericho, the city of Jericho, to go and spy out Jericho, and, and the harlot Rahab hides them. Do you remember that story? And, and she, she, Rahab tells the, 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 the spies, these Israeli spies, she says to them, listen, ever since we heard about you guys out there in the wilderness and what your God had done, and how your God defeated all the enemies before you. Our hearts have melted like wax inside of us. The people knew of the tribe of Israel. They knew of the God of Israel, and they were in fear. But because these guys, these, 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 these ten elders from the tribe of Israel, when they first went in, saw themselves so small, they, they still, they, God had delivered them from slavery, but in their minds, they were still, they had the mindset of slaves. And they still saw themselves as grasshoppers and assumed that everybody else saw them as a grasshopper too, which just wasn't the case. The people were afraid of them. They could have gone in and taken it, but, but for their mindset. But for their mindset. And you know what? God wants to bring change into our lives, but we've got to start taking His promises for ourselves. You see, Sandy spoke a few weeks about, and she was talking about renewing our minds, the need not to remove our minds. <laughs> we don't just remove our minds, we renew our mind. We replace the old way of thinking with God's promises, and it changed gradually. And like she was saying, you know, if you walk across your lawn in a straight path, on the same path, a hundred times, you're going to wear a path in that lawn. And it's like that with our, with our mind, with our thinking. Once we have thought a certain way for, for long enough, it becomes established, an established way of thinking. We become wired like that. Something happens to us, and ding, that's where we go. We go on that path, and we go straight down. And God says, no, no, stop that. Don't do that. Don't, don't have a mindset of a slave. See, see what my promises are. Change the way you think. And, and, and we grow in this. It's, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's a process. So, Joshua and Caleb, these were guys of a different spirit. The first thing they said the, the, or so, not so much the first thing they said, but the, the basis, rather, perhaps, for what they said was that, listen, the, the, there's an enemy there to overcome, but the Lord is with us. They weren't, the, 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 one, the one set of guys 
were looking at their own inabilities, their own inadequacies, and the others were looking to God. They had a different spirit, and they said, God is with us. We are able to overcome. They had entered into the rest of God. They weren't striving. They weren't seeking. They knew that God is with them. You know, the good plans that God has for you, the good plans God has for your life, are like your promised land. They're your promised land. It's where God's going to take you. It's the promises He's got for you. And, and you are going to have to go in and possess it. Just, just like the children of Israel had to go in and possess their promised land. But you see, that, that whole generation, everybody under the, uh, sorry, over the age of 40, died in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. None of that generation could make it into the promised land because they weren't ready for the fight that lay before them. See, God has got a promise land for you. He's got a good thing for you, but you have to go in and possess it. And the challenge for you is not so much, it's not a battle. There aren't giants to be, to be faced in battle, but there is a challenge for you. There's the, the, cha the challenge is that you, you are going to have to embrace change in your life. You're going to have to embrace stretch. You know, you, you're never going to become who God created you to be by staying who you are. We are all called to, and, and predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You're not going to be conformed into his image by staying who you are. It makes sense, right? We've got to change. We've got to allow God's process to work through us in our lives and do it at rest. And do it at rest. It's not about striving. It's not about trying to make it happen. It's about the rest of faith. Resting in Him. You don't have to go seeking another way. You don't have to go and make yourself right. It's not about changing behavior modification. It's about trusting in God. Living the life that He's given you to live now. Live it well. Live it well. Whether you're abounding or whether you're in, in a time of trial, live it well. And sow good seeds for the future. And, and be at peace. So, as we walk with God into the future, not knowing what it's going to bring, it's obvious that from time to time we're going to make mistakes. And I think this is one of the things that we all hate is that thought of what if? What if I mess up? What if I think you've called me to preach and I stand up there and I forget all my words? I forget the song I'm going to sing. It's that fear. What if I make a mistake? You know what? So what? Seriously, so what? I mean, we all make mistakes. How do you get 15 years of experience? It's by, by living for 15 years, right? You, you, you've got to be alive. You've got to you don't get experience without making the mistakes. The good, you know, you get some stuff right, you get, but that's what experience is about. It's a picture of grace. That's a picture of grace. You know, God doesn't say to you, if you get that wrong, dunk, you're out, condemned. <laughs> he doesn't. He says, my grace is upon you. He says, you made a mistake. Get up, dust yourself off, turn back in the right direction. Let's go on again. It's grace. You're never going to accomplish it by putting religion or hard laws on yourself or hard demands on yourself. Give yourself a break. Allow yourself to make mistakes. Forgive yourself and move on. There is no how-to. There is no seven simple steps to living this life. You've just got to work it out with God, apply His principles as you, as you live it and extend to yourself lots of grace. You know, there was a... And just to say, you know, we, we learn as much through life and life, through, through, through the experiences that, 
through the things we experience. And, and a lot of those things are, we, we learn how not to do things as much as we learn how to do things by, by what we experience in life. And an example of how not to do things, there was, there was, a, there was a person who, um, unfortunately, I esteemed them very highly. And, and I thought we had a good connection. And, and, um, and, and, and one day... Um, this, this, this person was, was visiting, and, and, um, and we said, okay, we've got to, there was such and such I was going to do, and, um, and they said, have you done such and such? And, um, and the answer was, uh, no, I hadn't done it. I was going to do it, but my priorities had changed. There was other things that happened. My priorities had changed, and so I hadn't done it. And it was like our, our relationship just went off the end of a cliff. It was just, I had committed the unpardonable sin, I had said I was going to do that, and I hadn't done it. There was just, it was just like absolutely no grace. Just like messed up, big time, failed the test, big time, you're out, dunk. I, like, I couldn't believe it. And it bothered me. It really did bother me. You know, when, when you feel someone's judged you and condemned you and, you, and it took a while for me to get over it and to realize, hey, hold on, hold on. My life and who I am and my character is far more than that one event, that one thing which, which I reprioritized because I knew what I needed to do. Life, my, I am not just an event. I, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like a, a, that nanosecond, like a, a still photograph out of the movie of your life, and people want to judge you on that one still frame. But your life is a movie. It's, it's the whole thing. That, that's who you are. Your, your character is not just, you're not just um, a teacher or, or, you know, whatever it is you do. You, there's more to you than that. There's more to your character, to who you are. Don't allow... Don't allow anyone to judge you based on that, 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 that one still frame of your life. You're more than that. You are more than that. Don't allow condemnation. You know, God is a God of grace. You know, John said that the, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. All the ways of the Lord are mercy and truth. He will, you know, he, he, he doesn't, if, if you're sinning, He's not going to wink at your sin because it's you and say, hey, that's okay, it's your little problem, we're okay with that. It's not. No, he will tell you the truth. God is a God of truth. He's upright. He cannot lie. He's a God of truth. He'll always tell you the truth. But with it, he'll give you lots of mercy as well. He doesn't condemn you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't condemn yourself. Don't allow others to condemn you. If you've, if you've failed, if you've had failure in your past, if you've got regrets in your past, move on, really. Leave it, leave it alone and go on. Your life is much more than that. Don't, don't build a monument there. Don't, don't base your life on that. For me, this, I, I could stop right here because this is, this is the stuff that, that really transformed my life. I could have been saved at the age of 17. You know, I said when, uh, on, the, on the 16th of September, 1992, I was 29 years old. It was at that time that, that, I, that I, I had this revelation that Jesus was alive. I just believed it, right? I call it a revelation. It was just, I just believed it. I'd had that very same thing at the age of 17 when I was a little uh, marijuana smoker starting to go down a bad path that where I was going to go for the next 10 years was really, really going to do me a lot of psychological, mental health damage, emotional damage, totally mess up, ruin uh, some really good opportunities I had in life. And at the age of 17, one night I was lying in bed, and a guy that I'd been at school with, Gary Little was his name, 
He'd give me a lift home. I'd been hitchhiking back from the beach, my surfboard. He stopped picking me up. And the whole way home, he was telling me about Jesus. He used to go to a church, the one Pentecostal church in our little village called the Invisible Church. I remember it there. Um, and uh, he was telling me about Jesus. And that night, I was going to sleep, and I just realized, I just believed what he'd said. I believed that Jesus was alive. That same, self-same revelation. I believed that Jesus was alive. And I jumped out of my bed, and I was going to go and tell my parents. I thought, ah, I'm gonna, I've got to go and tell somebody. And I started pulling my jeans, and I thought, uh, they're going to think I'm nuts if I go and wake them up. I'll go and tell Mark. I'll go and tell my brother. Same thing. I thought, no, they're going to think. I said, okay, I'll go back to sleep. I'll tell them in the morning. So guess what? In the morning, I never told them. And that day came, and that day went. And that revelation that I had, I just let it go. And I just went into such a, such a self-destructive way of life for the next, I don't know how many years. I wasted so much of my life that could have been, that, that I could have accomplished so much more with it. So I have regret from that. But I tell you what, and that's why this message is so good for me, because I'm not going to park my life there. Those, that, that failure I made, I was a kid. Come on, I was 17 years old. What do you know? Hey? I made a mistake. I messed up. It cost me, and, I, and I've paid the price the rest of my life. I'm going to get over it. So this message to me is really good because that doesn't define my whole life. That was just a small part of my life. Man, it was you know, 30, 40 years ago. What do I care now? So I could park right here. Or, or I can go on to what I see as A-level Christianity. A-level Christianity. You know, Jesus spoke. He told us what we call the, the golden rule. The golden rule we all know. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. You know, the grace, this grace that God has given us, this, this mercy that he's lavished on us, this forgiveness, this, this lack of condemnation, we need to be giving it to others as well. You know, never allow somebody to define your life by one mistake or one era or one season in your life. Don't allow them, but don't do it to them either. Freely you've received grace, freely give it. God doesn't define your life by the mistakes you made. Don't define the lives of others. We've got to learn to go up another level. We've got to live as A-level Christians. This is what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not about having all the authority and all the power that we can cast out devils and speak in new tongues. Hallelujah. I mean, that's wonderful stuff. I'm not knocking it. It's wonderful. But it needs to be a byproduct of being the genuine thing not a replacement. You know, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? And I'll say, I never knew you. God wants us to walk with him and walk in his ways. His ways are mercy and truth and goodness and kindness. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 5, he says, forgive your enemies, forgive them, so that you can be like your Father in heaven. Do you want to walk with God? You need to start becoming like God. Not being God, but walking in His ways. And not just you, me too, me too. One prayer the Lord has taught me this year. <clears throat> Father, I forgive my enemies. Help my enemies to forgive me as I forgive them. Pray this prayer. God, help my enemies to forgive me the way I forgive them. I tell you what, it ups the level of forgiveness in your life because you want total forgiveness, don't you? I mean, there is, there's one word that I love that word forgive. Forgive. Psalm 103, Sandy quoted this morning, bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all my sins. 
He forgives. What a beautiful word, man. He forgives. Not one of us are righteous. There's none righteous. No, not one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Let's embrace the forgiveness of God. Let's extend that grace to others. Let's become a merciful people. Let's become God's own people that live in His grace, that live not confined in the smallness of COVID restrictions and lockdown, not, not confined in the smallness of our world, but embracing the world that we're in, con- learning to be content in it, but, but, but not complacent, growing, growing in it, growing in the knowledge of God, walking with God, sowing good seed for the future, living in the, the, in the rest of faith. Be at rest in yourselves. Be at peace in yourselves. God loves you. He's got this. He really has got it. He really has got your life. I don't know what tomorrow, tomorrow brings, and neither do you, but I can tell you this. Your God is a good, good Father, and He's got you in the palm of His hand. No one can pluck you from His hand. What He began in you, He will complete. So rest in Him. Rest in Him, church. You don't have to strive. There is no more striving or seeking needed. I want to, I'm, going to, I'm going to close with this, this quote. When, when I shared with Sandy what I was going to be, and I've got two minutes left. How's that for timing, eh? Come on. Awesome. When I was, when I was telling Sandy what I was going to be sharing on today, she, she, um, she, she said, this is for you. You've, you've, got, you've got to see this. It's a, it's a quote by um, a woman called Lisa Turkist, Turkist, and Sandy follows her on Twitter or whatever it is. And um, this woman writes some fantastic stuff. She's got some really deep stuff. And, yeah, and uh, she's brilliant. And I want to read this to you because I think it fits in really well with what we're saying today. It says, Never forget your position of strength isn't anger or bitterness or retaliation. It's humility. When we are humble, it doesn't mean we bow down in defeat. It means we rise up declaring that no one has the power to make us betray who we really are in Christ. Stand up for what is right, but don't lose the best of who you are in the process. I think it's fantastic. I'm going to read that again. Never forget your position of strength isn't anger. Your position of strength is not bitterness. It's not retaliation or revenge. It's humility. When we are humble, doesn't mean we're bowing down in defeat. It means we are proving that nobody has the power to make us betray who we are in Christ. Stand up for what, you, what is right, but don't lose the best of who you are in the process. You know, we all mess up from time to time. I mean, come on. You guys have been with us for a few years now. You've seen me mess up occasionally, maybe, just once. <laughs> of course you have, right? It's grace. It's grace, church. Don't, don't allow your life to be defined by an event. Your life is so much more than just an event. Live at peace with God. Live at peace with yourself and with others. Amen.